Today is the first Sunday of Advent in uh, liturgical year B. So the years go A, B, C. That goes Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So we are about to begin to study in Mark. And the first text we get in Mark is this hideous one that I'm about to read to you. Um, About the second coming of Christ. It's the only time that Mark ever talks about Jesus coming again, and it is not pleasant, but it is important. So hear this word from God, as it comes to us from the 13th chapter of Mark, starting in the 24th verse. But in those days, after the suffering, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from the heaven. And the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with with great power and glory. 
Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branches become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until these things have come, have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about the day or the hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home, he puts his slaves in charge, and each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight or at cockcrow or at dawn, or else he may find you sleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Do you remember Joan Rivers used to have this thing where she'd say, Can we talk? And then she'd say something frankly and profound and hilarious all at the same time. Can we talk this morning? Can we talk about Advent for real for a minute? Because you remember Advent, right? That season of the year when you're usually profound and well-researched, wise pastor all of a sudden becomes an idiot in your eyes. You know, where you come up to me every Sunday in Advent and you say, hey, can't we sing one Christmas carol? Can't we sing one Christmas carol? Blame Debbie. No, don't. I'm kidding. We don't sing Christmas carols in Advent because Advent isn't Christmas. It's a different season. We're supposed to be... And this, this morning, was perfect because it did all the stuff that we're supposed to do in Advent. We're waiting. Something's coming. It's all exciting. But we have to wait. I don't know about you, but in this season of COVID in particular, I am tired of waiting. We have waited our whole year for an end to this stuff. When does it ever get here? When does it come? But we don't sing Christmas carols in Advent because it's not Christmas yet. We're waiting. Here's another thing I do that you think is nuts during Advent.
Jesus isn't here yet. We're waiting. Jesus doesn't come till Christmas. So we put away the baby Jesus until Christmas Eve. I once had somebody who was so bothered by that in one of my congregations, she brought a baby doll and stuck right here because she couldn't stand it, that there was no Jesus there. We're not so good at waiting. (laughs) Right? We get all bothered in Advent about which candle we light when. Let's just put an end to this right now. It doesn't matter which one of these you light, although supposedly you're supposed to go clockwise. It does matter that this one is the third Sunday. Why is that? See this color? Purple. Purple is regal. Purple is royal. Purple is supposed to signify repentance and penitence in our hearts. Now, purple now we use definitely for Lent, 40 days of Lent, right before Easter. And people know very well that Lent is a time when we're supposed to be penitent. We're supposed to be sorrowful. We're supposed to look at our sins. But long ago, Advent was the same way. Advent was a time when there was much fasting. So you'd fast the four four weeks of Advent, and then you'd feast the 12 days of Christmas. See how that works? Oh. Why is she telling us that about the Advent calendar? Candles. Because why do we have this day? Because fasting got to be too much for people. And so they got one day, the third Sunday, called Galdet, where they could feast, where they could take a break from the fast because it was too much. And that's the pink Sunday. Now, pink is associated with Mary. People say, well, why is Mary pink? Because isn't Mary always blue? Yes, she is, but she's pink because the pink rose of Mary, and that's a whole other story that we're not getting into today. Can we talk? Did you know this? Trying to help you out here so you don't think Advent is quite as weird as it might look. Oh, and then there's this one other thing where you all just, you know, give me an earful all through Advent. Where's Debbie? Debbie and I talk about this all the time. Do you think it's possible this year that on Christmas Eve we could sing some song other than Silent Night with the candles? I'll have to give that some thought. <laughs> I should give that some thought. She knows, she knows that's what you want. She knows that's what you want. So that's what we do. Because that's our tradition. And traditions are important at Advent and Christmas. We all know that. We all know that. But the tradition of Advent is hard because, it's, first of all, it's all about waiting. And second of all, it does some strange things. Because the Advent season not only gets us ready for the coming of Christ at Bethlehem in his birth, 
but it also is supposed to get us ready for the second coming of Christ again. And you read these texts like we had today, where it talks about the second coming of Christ, and there's nothing pleasant about them. They're awful. There'll be crying and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Things will be destroyed. Christ will come in a fury and in a flash of lightning. They're meant to bring fear into the hearts of unbelievers. But that's not us. What does a believer do with a text like that? And that is really important because it talks at some points about the elect. We, the elect, will know what to do when Christ comes again. See, all these texts about the apocalypse are not meant for the believer. And if they are, if there's anything in those texts for the elect, for those of us who know Jesus, what's in them is meant to be encouraging. Those people over there may suffer, but we won't need to because we know Jesus. And it's not so much about what they don't have as what we do. Advent is a hard season. It's impossible to preach. The first Sunday of every Advent season is this text or one like it about Jesus coming again. And then we get two texts about John the Baptist. And then we finally get something about Mary and Joseph. We're supposed to wait in great anticipation for what's coming. I'm not sure we as a culture even have the patience to do that anymore. And yet there's something important about this. Yes, friends, something in me, the pastor in me, the liturgical scholar in me is going to fight singing Christmas carols every Advent season for every song. We'll get to a few. But it's hard to wait. It's really hard to wait. And if anything, we have learned over the course of the past 10 months is we as a culture are not good at it. I said at the Thanksgiving table, you ever see those memes that say, practice your political speech? so that you can go home early from Thanksgiving 
because you, you basically are going to start a fight at your, at your family dinner table. Well, I almost did that this year, and I didn't mean to. But what I said was, I'm, I'm beginning to think that what we need to do is just shut everything down for about four weeks. And my brother, and, and, and I really do kind of think that, because what we're doing is we shut down for a couple of days or a week, and then we go back, and then we shut down again, and whatever. And I think in the long run, if we just stop, we might be better off. It'd actually take us less time than more. But I said that, and my brother looked at me, and he goes, well, we couldn't possibly wait that long. And I thought, there it is. That's it. We just, we can't wait. Text about the coming Christ is about us waiting with bated breath, basically, waiting for Jesus to come and being prepared for Jesus to come again. And how hard is that? Because the text is very clear. We don't know when it is. Even Jesus doesn't know when it is. Only the Father knows. How do you wait for something when you don't even know when it is? It's not like you can mark it off on your calendar. So hard. And yet, we're constantly told, stay awake. You know I'm coming. Pay attention. Be prepared. You know, in, in contemporary culture now, there's, a, there's an expression that is, stay woke. And stay woke is sort of a political expression, but it's become more than that. And it's the notion that basically we had in the 70s of consciousness raising, right? Pay attention to what's going on in the world around you so that you can fight injustice where it is and where you see it and respond. Stay woke. But in order to do that, you have to be prepared. You have to read the newspaper. You have to know your surroundings. You have to know the people in your community. It's not so different for us. Stay awake and be prepared for what is to come. Read your Bible. Say your prayers. Look at the world around you. Where is injustice? Where is poverty? Where is ill health? Where are the things we as Christians need to address? And how can we best do that?
And ultimately, I think this notion of being awake, staying woke, if you will, for us as Christians, is a notion of receiving Jesus into our hearts as our Savior. What does it mean to place Jesus at the center of your life? To accept all that Jesus has done for us and is doing for us now, the change in life that that brings? How does your heart change? And once your heart changes, how does your life change? And once your life changes, how does your life change the lives of those around you? Stay woke. Keep awake. (laughs) Be patient. And wait. Life change doesn't happen overnight. But, oh, dear ones, it does happen indeed. Pay attention. Pay attention.